Welcome. This is Todd Brinker, and this is Back from the Brink, the after show for On the Brink, the KCAA radio morning show. Uh, I'll be joined by Aaron shortly. As we were going off the air, as we ran out of time on our hard out into commercials, we were talking about Apple's $500 million uh, iPhone throttling settlement that can now be claimed. So if you own an iPhone 6, 6 Plus, 6S, 6S Plus, and or an iPhone SE that ran iOS 10 2.1 or later before December 21st on 2017, an iPhone 7, 7 Plus that ran iOS 11.2 or later before December 21st, 2017, then you are eligible. And so um, if you are eligible, then uh, you can go to Apple's website and... Um, you can claim your $25. Yes, out of the $500 million, you'll get roughly $25. And, uh, you know, this as, as I was explaining on the, on the radio show, the, the way this worked out was Apple always vehemently denied that subsequent versions of, operating, of their operating system of iOS made older phones um, run slower. And, in fact, uh, that was held to be true by lots of people who had kept older phones and would load newer versions and then run speed tests on it. And you would find out that they were actually, if anything, faster. And so Apple had made the older phones run faster by putting newer versions of software on them. But uh, with iOS 10.2.1 and then uh, for the 6 Series phones and for iOS 11.2 for the 7 Series phones, um, the operating system had a new function it what it did is it checked your battery and it said you know if the battery can only put out x amount of current at any given point in time then we can't run multiple processes simultaneously because we'll exceed that amount and the phone will just reboot itself or shut down completely and so what we have to do is we have to watch the amount of current that we're drawing at any given point in time so instead of running multiple processes simultaneously the way it normally would, it runs them sequentially, one, then the next, then the next, then the next, so that it only draws a certain amount of current at any given point in time because it's an older battery that can't put out enough current for them to do the multitasking. And uh, and they did that without telling anybody, which freaked people out because it made the phone slower. But the alternative was it would reboot. Aaron's going to join us now. Here, we, let's get her online. Good morning, Aaron. How are you? I'm good, Todd. How are you? I'm doing good, and you know what? I pushed the record button today. <laughs> that really helps. It does. It really, you know, really helps. Makes for a much better show for everybody. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you happen to be listening to us live streaming yesterday, you'll find out that uh, I didn't hit the button to record until about 90 minutes into a two-hour show with my dad. Talking mostly about tech, so it was. If you're not a tech person, yesterday's show was very tech uh, uh, oriented. Um, but you know, the, about 90 minutes in, I realized that I had set everything up and then never actually hit the start broadcasting button. And so um, I captured the the uh, last 30 minutes or so and put that out as a podcast for those who wanted it and those who were listening. If you happened, if you didn't give up after 90 minutes and we're still trying to get that live stream from us. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That happened. <laughs> ah, whoops. Yep. So it is, it is kind of overcast today. Kind of June gloomy. 
Yeah, it's you know, which means we get a little bit cooler weather. Oh, this weekend was miserable. It sure was, wasn't it? It was like an oven. You know, if you opened your dar- door and looked out, you just got hit by that heat wave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, here, here in Corona today, it's not going to hit 90, which is nice. The high is expected to be 87. Um, yeah, which is around between 3 and 4. It's supposed to hit about 87, 88. So, um, you know, and right now it's like 63 degrees here. So it's it's actually kind of cool and nice. You can have your, your door and your windows open. Uh if you have a screen door, you don't want flies coming in, but, uh, you know, you can, um, have a fan blowing and doors open or sit outside if you want to for a little while. Um, and just enjoy the, the nice weather while you can such as life in a desert, right? Mornings and evenings can be nice, but although you're really on the, on the border between desert and that kind of Mediterranean, um, uh, climate. I mean, Corona is kind of that Anaheim Hills. Corona is kind of that, that dividing point yeah. because if you live on the other side of those that coastal mountain range then your climate is the climate's different oh absolutely yeah you know i mean if, if the other side from here is about uh five to to eight degrees cooler just to go over like onto uh into like villa park or the um the wet east side of orange uh yes. in that area is significantly cooler although you know it depends on where you are because some people live up against the hills further south, and they're a little bit further inland because of the way the the landscape turns, and they're pretty warm too. But um, but you're right. We're our, like like they're a little cooler and and moister than we are. We're a little cooler and moister than than you are in San Bernardino because um, you're regularly about you know eight nine degrees warmer than us in the summer on uh, summer days as well. Are we so, lucky? We're yeah. so lucky. <laughs> yeah, well, I grew up over there from high school on, so my uh, young adulthood was spent in the San Bernardino Colton area. Proud graduate of Colton High School, and uh, and yeah, I know I know what it's like over there. That's why I live over here. <laughs> Honestly, if if I were if I had half a half a the sense in my brain, I would have moved somewhere somewhere more temperate because that's what I like. But you know, my wife likes the summer heat, so this is this is a uh, a good compromise for us. And Corona really is sort of a crossroads of Southern California because there's a you live the the freeway that heads north south. You know, you can drop down to San Diego, and we've got family in San Diego. The 15 is right there. Um, you know, we've got family in Huntington Beach. The 91 takes us right in that way. So, uh, you know, or we can take the 91 the opposite direction and come out and see you guys. And so, um, you know, it's just it's 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 a good place to be if you've kind of got people spread around the Southland. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Yeah. So kind of sold us on the place. (laughs) We haven't talked about sports ball at all. Um, How do you feel about the Redskins changing their name? You know, I think it's probably well overdue i mean clearly a lot of people are offended by it and um you know i'm i'm the first one to say nowhere in our constitution does it say that you have a right to be not offended you know it's a free country and if the owner of the business wants to call it that uh he's free to do that however also nowhere in in our in our laws does he have any particular right to make money and so if his if his uh uh vendors and supporters and uh and and investors all say, well, we're pulling out because we don't like the name. Then the market has done its job and pushed him to move and done what he needs to do. And so, you know, um, 
you know, that's kind of how I fall on it. I, I tend to be kind of libertarian. I wouldn't want a government to come in and say you have to change your name. But you know what? His the the people who support his his uh, his endeavors, his co- his company, his his team, they have spoken and they've said, all right, it's time. Now, as for the name change, I think, and, and from what I've read, it's much more difficult than you would think because they have to go and get all of the copyright and licensing for whatever name they pick. And uh, there's already been people who are squatters who have gone out and gotten a whole bunch of different names and licensed them and gotten the web pages and, you know. So uh, whatever they end up picking, they're going to probably have to pay somebody off in order to, uh, to actually own the rights to this stuff. But I think they should talk with the folks that own the uh, Golden State Warriors the basketball franchise and say, hey, you know, we've had baseball and basketball and football teams that are named the same in the past. Let us take the Warriors. And then they become the Washington Warriors instead of the Washington Redskins. And they, you know, they can change their logo to be a little less, you know, offensively bright red and but still sort of have that same heritage. And at the same time, um, you know, maybe be less offensive to Native Americans. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the Redskins, I mean, because more than the Braves or more than, you know, some of the other Indians, um, some of the other names, the Reds, that's yeah. an offensive name, Redskin. It, it really is. It really is, you know. And it's funny because, I mean, you know, us white folk tend to want to say, uh, you know, feeling that we're very woke, want to say uh, Native American. But um, I have read several things where um, uh, there's a good number of Native American people who say just call us Indians, that yeah. we're fine well, with that. You know. San Manuel, our local tribe, one of uh, our local tribes, calls themselves the San Manuel Band of Mission Indians. Right. That's their official name. Right. And, and so they're fine um, with the term Indian. So like the yeah. Cleveland Indians are like, okay, fine. You know, that, that, so I guess all I'm saying is that that's not so that's not deemed offensive. But that doesn't mean that you won't find some person who's of Native American heritage who's going to say Indian is offensive to me. You know, I mean, everybody's yeah. an individual, right? I have to say, I read one of the one of the uh, historical figures in the United States that just absolutely fascinates me is Geronimo. Um, he, of course, uh, was the Apache um, uh, hero. I mean, for the for the Apaches, he was the Apache warrior. Um, mm-hmm. That uh, is like if you're gonna if you're thinking about somebody who is who typifies who is emblematic of badassery, it is it is Geronimo. And people asked him, you know. They, you know, for example, if a if a paratrooper jumps out of an airplane, what does he say? He says Geronimo, right? As he's jumping out, mm-hmm. and Geronimo actually thought that was very cool. He really liked that, even though he'd been treated horribly by the American government. Um, you know, if you think about somebody who is emblematic of this kind of spirit of the West, this you cannot tame me spirit of the West, it's mm-hmm. Geronimo. So you know, if they if they were to take a a hero from Native American tribes, and I'm less familiar with what tribes were in um, in Washington D.C. and what their history is. Of course, the Apache were a Western tribe, or right. are a Western tribe. They're still very much with us. Um, you know, I um, you know I think that that would be cool just to honor the this mm-hmm. incredible fortitude and strength. And if you go to Fort Apache, which is in Arizona, northern Arizona. The Apache are very proud of the fact that they've never been conquered. You know, yeah. they they fought over and over and over and over again. They still have their land. They're very very proud of that. And uh, you know, so maybe you call them the uh, you know if you want to pick a tribe, the Apache. 
or call them, you know, something. The like tribe. That. that would be cool. Just, just the, the Washington tribe, you know. I mean, there, there's lots of different ways they could go that still um, uh, allude to, you know, a tie to Native Americans in, in, in a much uh, more um, acceptable way yes. to everybody. And, uh, you know, I mean, when you've got enough people saying enough, end this, um, you know, and, I'm, and and so good good for them for doing it. It'll be interesting to see what they come up with. I'm sure that regardless of what they come up with, some people are going to go, that's not good enough or that stinks or what, you know, it's going to, there's going to be people who show up at their games and refuse to not wear their, their uh, Redskins attire because they're like, why did you change the name? You know, and, and they'll be picked up on the news because, you know, somebody will decide that's newsworthy because it might get a click here or there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's well overdue for them to do this. You know, that said, well, I still I still stand by my, you know, you don't have a right to be not offended. And so if you find it offensive, then, you know, find ways to make it economically unfeasible for them to do something. So the... Um, the uh Cancel culture. Some people try to say it doesn't exist. Of course it does. That's why people are talking about it. Um, <laughs> some people are just professionally offended. And we've talked about that. I don't really care what those people think. If they're, if you, if your job is to be offended by everything and that's what you, that's how you've monetized your life, then yeah. I have no desire to talk to you. I don't care what you think you are. You, you make no difference to me because you have a profit motive in taking other people down. Yeah. Yeah, it's you know, I mean, we, we actually have a, a, a story about a battle over cancel culture It says over 160 academics and journalists issued an open letter Friday in the ongoing battle over the so-called cancel culture. The letter rebuked an earlier letter published in Harper's signed by luminaries, including Fareed Zakaria, J.K. Rowling and Gloria Steinem that directed the intolerant climate seeping into liberal society. The latest letter attacked what it saw as privileged, privileged elite trying to undermine a brand of uh, diverse liberalism. The signatories, many of them white, wealthy, and endowed with massive platforms, argued that they are afraid of being silenced, that the so-called cancel culture is out of control, and that they fear for their jobs and free exchange of ideas, even as they speak from one of the most prestigious magazines in the country. Yes. So, and yeah. I mean, you know, it's we've we've always uh, or we say we always <laughs> for most of my life. We've had the term politically correct and in, in usually used in sort of derogatory terms. It's like, oh, that's not that's not a, a, a real opinion. That's a politically correct opinion that you had to couch things in terms that were inoffensive to people. Again, it just goes back to my basic you know, understanding or my basic philosophy is that you don't have a right to be unoffended. You know, you, you have no not. rights to be unoffended. If you don't you like do, what I yeah. say, then you can say what you want to say. But exactly, exactly. Um, and, and so, you know, J.K. Um, mm. Rowling, her uh, her offense, and I'm using air quotes, um, was that she she I think she said men are men and women are women. It was something that was uh, people said was, was transphobic, and I don't, you know, yeah. I mean, that's you, about as benign as you can get. Men are men and women are women. Oh, wait a minute. No, some men are women and some women are men. Okay. Yes. Fine. And, and here's you the be thing. you. Yeah, most, and that's where most people, that's where most people lie. You do you, I'll do me. 
And honestly, you don't have a right to know what my opinion is. And, and, and if I have an opinion that's different from you, that doesn't make me a monster, doesn't make you a monster, unless my opinion is that we should be burning people at the stake or something monstrous. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, lest I be attacked for saying, um, you know, you, you don't have a right to be unoffended. Neither do I. You know, that goes exactly. for all of us. That goes for all of us, right? Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and it makes no difference. J.K. Rowling is a is an author, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. she wrote Harry Potter. Um, and she does have characters, Dumbledore, most notably, who are LGBTQ. So, you know, what do you care what she thinks about, you know, uh, and which I'm sure she was talking about the law, about trans policy? What right. do you care She's well, and if you disagree with her, don't buy her book. Exactly. You know, don't don't attack her. <laughs> you know, exactly. I, you know, it, it, I um, listen to a sports show in the mornings on occasion. I have actually stopped watching it as much as I used to um, because one, it, it's basically a debate show, and one of the two people in the debate show daily. If not in every every because they they have different segments and so they debate different topics. But if not in in, in every segment, it regularly on every day, doesn't just make comments about what the other person says. He does not just attacking their ideas. He makes comments about him. He says you don't understand basketball. You don't understand this. Oh, here you go again saying this kind of thing. How come you never make up your mind about this? How come you bounce back and forth on these topics instead of just holding one opinion? You know, he attacks the person as opposed to attacking the opinion. And I just get tired of it. I just get tired of watching it and hearing it. Now, most of the time, he's very insightful. He's very up on top of things. He's got great opinions. You know, and I'm not going to call him out by name, but but I, um, but I just... I mentally find it exhausting to hear him attack somebody else and I'm tired of doing it. So I'm not going to listen to it because I don't find that entertaining. I watch the show for entertainment. And if you're attacking a person that this particular show, they're talking about politics as well. Um, because it comes in, politics has infected everything. Yeah, it comes in. It's impossible not to have political conversations. And ironically, both people in this, on this debate are, are very liberal New Yorkers. Both wow. of them are very liberal New Yorkers. Uh, one of them is a, a white man. One of them is an African-American man. Um, and I respect their opinions when it comes to sports, both of them immensely. Um, they have, they're insightful. They're entertaining to, to listen to when they talk about stuff. They point out things about teams and sports that I wasn't aware of, so I find it you know educational and interesting to listen to them talk. They bring on great guests. But one of the two of them is very dismissive of the other person. And the other one is always incredibly respectful. He sits there and he listens and he takes it. And you can just, his eyes, you can you can just see this look in his eyes like, oh, here it goes again. Okay, he's going to hammer me. All right. But, you know, it's one thing. It's like if you're going to get hammered, if your opinion gets hammered, why are you attacking the bringer of the idea? And, right. and my sense is, A, it's a habit. And B, it's a default for when you can't, mentally think of something else so he uses it as a placeholder while he's trying to to uh get his thoughts to congeal on how he wants to debate about the uh the topic he will attack the person to give himself a little bit more time and and i don't think he's even aware he's doing it but it's 
it's to the point where uh, it happens enough that I don't want to watch them anymore. Yeah. Isn't yeah, that I, sad? I'm really considering, and the guy that's doing it is uh, just got a huge raise and is one of the most prominent people on on the network. And so, so I, I know exactly what show you're talking about. I um, uh, very much want to write ESPN and say, and I haven't done it yet, but I think I might write into ESPN and just say, hey, have you been aware of this? And address it directly to the gentleman who's doing it. Are you aware that you do this? Go back and watch some of your shows if you haven't done it. Watch some of your own work. And, uh, you know, I think that's, I did that when we first started a lot just because I wasn't confident about how I sounded and what I was saying on the radio or what I was saying on podcasts. And I gotten away from it. I actually started doing it again more recently, going back and listening to us on the radio just to see how I work with you and how many times I go, um, and, uh, you know, those kinds of things. And, um, see, there's one right there. And I, I found it, uh, <laughs> now I'm really aware of it, you know, but I find it enlightening. And I wonder if he, like I said, I don't think he's even aware he's doing it. I think he does it as a mental placeholder while he's trying to formulate his response because he feels like, you know, you've got to fill that empty air. Well, every single person, every single person has their ticks about, you know, or, or when they get on the air and they need to fill a time, you can't really, you can't have dead air, although at least television has the benefit of uh, body language, right? So they have that nonverbal communication and you right. lose that in radio. Yes. You can have I a graphic, an infographic sitting behind you. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I know that for me on the radio, there are times when my, I'm a little slower on the uptake, up, uptake because I'm really tired or, you know, we're in a, we're having a, a deep conversation and it takes some thought. Um, and so I know that, that mm-hmm. I use those filler words too. And some days are better and some days I don't, I don't need to use, I don't use them. And I'm really honestly not that aware of them. So I think that you're right. Um, that he's trying to fill, he's trying mm-hmm. to fill the time. And so he's, whatever his person, his mind comes out of his mouth. Right. But listening to a host constantly degrade a co-host is not okay. No. And it's, it's, it's irritating. It's sad. It's, it's um, frustrating to listen to. And, um, you know, in this particular case, too, like I said, I was kind of describing the hosts. It's the African-American man who is the more experienced um, uh, broadcaster. He's the the uh, the elder statesman of the show. He was on the show with another host for years before this other gentleman joined. And he's the one who does it. And it's like, oh, man, you're so good at this. And I so love listening to you talk about stuff. But then every time you turn and talk to the other guy, you you. You say something like that, and it's like, stop it. Just stop it. Quit picking on the younger guy. Quit, you know, quit pointing out that he's the younger guy, that he's the newbie. You know, he's not been the newbie for like three years now. Um, You know, it's, but he does things like that. You know, it's like, well, you're a newbie, so let me explain to you how this works. That kind of thing. It's that kind of. Oh, that's condescending. Yeah, and he does that a lot. I mean, it's always, and it's not like, well, I disagree with you. I think that's wrong, and here's why. It's. You're the newbie. You're the you don't get this. You don't understand this sport or you don't understand that sport. I have spent a lot of time talking to people and I'm an insider on that sport. And I would defer to you in the sport that you know. So you should defer to me in this sport. And the other guy never does that, even when they're talking about the sport that he clearly knows more about. Now, I will say I will credit the 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 first gentleman in that when they're talking about that other sport that he clearly knows more about, he'll go, well, you know more about this one. So I'll defer to you. But here's my opinion. So, so, you know, he, he 
does at least agree that the other guy has some areas of expertise. Um, and they genuinely seem to like each other. They seem to get along. Uh, but boy, that that it just that, that that language that that way he phrases things is just so dismissive. Um, yeah, that's hard to listen to. It really and, is. You know, it's it's I am so much I am so much more of this or that, or I think I'm so much better. You don't even have a right to have an opinion about that. You have to listen to me. Well, no, dude, I don't. I do not have to listen to you. That's. The yeah. freedom of America. Yeah, that guy maybe has to listen to you because he's paid to sit there and take it, but uh, I don't. <laughs> so, well, as as a uh, partaker of your show, I can I can change channels to one of you know 150 other stations. It, it bothers me that, and you know, down to the fundamental part of cancel culture is we have we have the mob has is demanding or has created a de facto thought police. If you think the wrong way, then you deserve to lose your livelihood. And what I've, what I think is that, uh, what what I think is that people evolve over the course of their lives. Where, when they're young, they may have a different opinions than when they're older, and I think that's pretty normal. Mm-hmm. Um, one would you know, hope. One would hope. Yeah. I mean, if you're the same as you were when you were 16, then something's wrong with you. Right. Um, and so, you know, I. We have to allow each other the space to be human. Yeah. We have to allow each other. There's, There has to be room for redemption. And there isn't with cancel culture. Because, you know, if you look at the people who apologize for having the wrong opinion, um, they're targeted forever. You can never make the mob happy. Yeah, you know, you're now you dismissed. You are other. You are less than because one time you said something that we determined was inappropriate, and and so therefore you are you have been uh, erased from history. Yes, <laughs> you know? yes, and that's and not okay. It is not. It is not okay. And you know, where, where's the forgiveness? Where's the let's move on? You know, because those are the same people that are out there uh, saying that you know we need to be aware of this particular group and that particular group and, and, and be more open and, 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 uh, kind to that, that group of people. Well, you know, also be kind to, to the, you know, be kind to Kevin Hart because yeah, he said something 20 years ago in a stand up, but that doesn't mean that he's, he's a horrible person today, you know? Well, and there are comedians who have made their entire career on offending people. George yeah. Carlin would not have been in comedy if he hadn't been able to offend people. Yeah, although he wasn't actually uh, one of the, the, you know, he wasn't the, the Don Rickles of his era. There are others that did it even more. But, you know, that's that's a staple of comedy is to say things that make you uncomfortable. Yes. You know, that's you make social commentary through comedy and you say things and you phrase things in ways that people squirm a little bit and giggle. You know, because it's like, ooh, that clits, that, that, that hits really close to home. You know, for a lot of people and, and good comedians find those sort of universal. Ooh, that's a little uncomfortable, but that's what we do, isn't it? You know, yes. uh, and uh, yeah. And then to hold them accountable, you know, to today's standards for something they said decades before is just ridiculous. Absolutely it, ridiculous. It is. Yeah, it is. And it's 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 a very immature way of looking at the world. And I, uh, you know, I wish that the uh, the comedians of the world would unite and just say, everybody, shut up, <laughs> shut yeah. up. You know, if you're yes. going to be offended, then cut your ears off. Yes. Yeah. yeah no. Grow a thicker skin. Suck yeah. it up, Buttercup. Yeah. 
you know, just just pick up that mantra. You don't have a right to be not offended. I mean, I, I just I that just repeats in my head so many times these days. It's like, you know what? You're offended. Tough luck. You know, get over it. Life's yeah. short. Be offended. Move on. That's part of being a grown up. You know, in fact, I applaud you for being offended because that means you have an opinion. You know, if you if you're never offended, that means you have no opinions and you, and you don't care. You're not engaged with the world. So good. You know, that's a sign that you're alive and that you're thinking. So you should go out and try to be offended occasionally because that means you're finding people who have differing opinions than yourself. Yes. Yes. It's a now, good thing. It's it a healthy a thing. thing. You know, don't don't try to cancel that out. That that's that's important part of being a human being. Well, and having an opinion that differs from you does not mean the person needs to lose their livelihood. Right. Yeah, I mean you don't have to 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 like them, you don't have to love them, but uh, you know, you got you got to let people have their say. That's part that's part of being in America, you know. That's the other thing. It's like I, I get frustrated when I hear people complaining about, you know, America because America, you know, treated Indians and Native Americans badly and, and still does in some cases, you know, or or because America uh, for the first hundred years of its existence, um, you know, had institutionalized slavery, as did countries throughout history. Um, you know, we were one of the last countries to get rid of it. We were very unenlightened in that respect, you know. Our country's not perfect. It's made up of people. People aren't perfect. We try to fix things and move on. And sometimes it's painful to make those changes. You know, we ended up having a war over it. And, you know, hundreds of thousands of people died. And it's um, it's not a positive thing, you know. But it's the concept, the idea of America is what's amazing. That's what, that's what we strive for, you know. And, and, you know, I personally am proud to be an American striving to get better as a country. And, 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 you know, we can have debates about whether we're going forward or backwards at different times, because there's a lot of people who feel like we're, we're not going forward at this moment. You know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of tension and a lot of, um, uh, what kind of dualism, right? We, we've separated into two major camps here. Uh, you know, and there's a few of us in the middle screaming, uh, and I, I put myself in the middle, but there's a few of us who are like, you know, that camp's not always right. And that camp's not always right. Can't we all come together and give ourselves a hug? Well, a virtual hug because it's COVID time. But, <laughs> you know, um, speaking of and I 100 percent agree. Speaking of COVID time, how do you feel about everything being shut down again? <laughs> so let me tell you, my wonderful wife suggested something to me last night at about six o'clock. She said, hey. If you want to get your haircut, you better do it tonight. Because I got my haircut like the first day or two that it opened up and we could go get haircuts again. I ran out last night to Great Clips. I went online and booked it, and it said there was a two-hour wait, but that would still get me in before they closed. So I put myself in the in the queue, and it took about an hour before I was actually in. I didn't have to, you know, I waited until it said I was about 20 minutes away before I drove over to the place. And then I stood outside for maybe three or four minutes. But I got a haircut last night, so I got my haircut. So if we're locked down again for a while... Uh, at least I won't be that shaggy dude. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like I'm cutting Tobin's hair. Yeah, and uh, for the life of me, I cannot remember the lady's name who cut my hair, but she was wonderful and did a great job. I gave her a big tip because today she's not working. So do you think, do you think that was the right thing to do, to shut everything down again? 
I think that doing it regionally makes sense. I don't think doing it like globally makes sense. But there are certain areas where clearly it's, you know, I mean, in Riverside, we we're, we're out of ICU beds. Um, I think we need to do something. We can't just say, well, sorry, if you have to go to the hospital, you might be able to be shipped off to another county. Otherwise, you might die. We don't know. Um, you know, so we have to do something. I think that it, economically it's horrifying, but we've got to do something, um, you know. So I guess I support it. I don't I don't support it like, yay, wholeheartedly, let's go, governor. Um, but I think it's a tough decision. And, you know, I think that you've got to I, my measure is, do you have a place to go if you get really ill? Can you know, are we at capacity for for ICU capacity in our in our hospitals? And if we if we are at that capacity, then we need to do make some social changes. If we're not, then we can continue moving forward with things being open a little bit more. You know, oh, and that kind of yeah. varies by county because, you know, I mean, some of the counties, the southern counties are are being hit particularly hard. Um, you know, some of the northern counties and central counties are not. And so I don't see any reason why they should be locked down like we are. They should continue with some of their, you know, uh, uh, cautious openings, I guess, is the right phrase. Well, I uh, I worry about the state's government, the state's economy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a there's a uh, a ballot a, a, there's a measure on the ballot coming up in November that's essentially going to repeal Proposition 13, and our our um, property tax. I mean, all of our other taxes are already so high. People will say yes, but our property taxes are not high compared to other states. And I'm like, yeah, but some of those other states have no income tax. They have a higher property tax, but they have no income tax. So right. the net of what you pay is still less. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, California has never met a tax it didn't like. And, you know, it scares me. Right. Yeah, that one's terrifying because how many people are going to find out they can't afford to live in their houses anymore because suddenly their property tax doubles? And, and how many of those are seniors on fixed income? Right. Yeah, that's 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 going to put people out of homes in and not so, in a small way. And let me tell you, fighting yeah. f- fighting covid when you don't have, uh, you know, a house, a home to live in, you have to go live with relatives. So there's more of you packed into a tighter space is tougher. It's, well, and it's we're just, already going to see a wave of foreclosures and yeah. evictions. Yeah, you know, so. Um, uh, that's inevitable. It's coming. People can't, you know, it's, is. I was talking to my brother about this yesterday and he's like, yes, but you know, we have, we opened up too fast. And I'm like, too fast. It's been closed for four months. We've been closed mm-hmm. for four months, you know, and yes, they started to do an opening, um, started opening, but it, that was, that was very short lived. You right. know, and they're saying that you can't go to church and you can't, you, you know, all bars are closed. Yeah. And it's like, you know, back to the, you know, no more than 10 people in one location gathering type of thing. Um, they do say restaurants can continue to serve seating, but they cannot be indoor seating. It's got to be outdoor seating, um, because of air circulation issues. And there's been, uh, more and more evidence mounting that, uh, that it's not just the large droplets from people's talking and breathing, but that there's it, that the COVID does sit in the aerosolized um, saliva when you speak and sing and shout. And so um, that it can linger in an area. So if you're outside that area, that that'll get dispersed much more than if you're in a, an enclosed area. 
uh, unless you've got like fans blowing in your face the whole time. <laughs> you can sit inside, but we're going to put this fan in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> now you're safe. <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> I can just see, you know, a picture or somebody, some, some, uh, um, cartoonist is going to have that right and it's like well they said if you circulate the air you're safer <laughs> you know yeah, I, I, I just I, I don't know that we how long can we live like this yeah well I think we're going to see a version of this uh, for the foreseeable future and and I say a version of this there will be uh, continued work uh, from home uh, L.A. and San Diego Unified, I think the two largest uh, school districts in in Southern California, uh, announced yesterday they're going to start online. So I suspect that uh, wh- where they go, most of the other districts follow fairly shortly. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. The um, school board in Orange County yesterday said that they want to start back in the classroom. But, of course, that's the county school board. That's not the individual school um, um, uh what do they call them? The districts. Districts. And each district gets to decide what they're going to do. So that's where the real vote lies. It's so funny, you know, because it's like there are certain things the governor can do, but the governor usually has recommendations that then go down to the counties, and then the counties are the ones who actually make the decisions, just like the school board. There's a state school board and there's county school boards, but those boards really don't have any authority. They just offer suggestions. Each local school board is the one that actually makes the decision. So if you want something to happen in your area, you need to petition board members for your local school board. Um, It's we're learning more about the layers of our government than we ever knew before. I think, you know, it's like, who do you need to talk to to get something done? Uh, and you find out the buck stops fairly close to home in a lot of cases, which is actually kind of a good thing. Yeah. I think that's a very good thing. Yeah. I will say that it looks like a lot of the districts in the Inland Empire are going to, the teachers are going back to work, but they will, they will teach the students through distance learning. So they'll be distancing Mm -hmm. in their classroom and the students will be at home. Um, and, and the only uh, uh, change to that for many districts is special ed, because right. if your kids are in an SDC class, then you know there's not much that they can do distance-wise, right? Because these are kids that need mm-hmm. significant help. Yeah, and I wonder what they're going to do with a lot of the kids that have been sort of mainstreamed but still need some assistance and special help, too, because that's very difficult to do remotely. But... If you look at the total population of the schools, even if they took those children and said come in a couple days a week, um, you know that's a lot less of a population at the school. They could probably manage that group better because it's not as many many kids. Um, and the idea of teachers actually going into the classroom, even though they're still remote teaching or distance learning, is good because then you sort of have a sense of camaraderie and a sense of doing by going in and meeting your coworkers and seeing them there in the hallways. And, uh, you know, it's a limited number of people, but you're, um, yes. you know, it's, you don't feel as isolated because I know that was an issue for a lot of teachers. It's not only are we not quite sure what we're supposed to be doing here because we've never done it this way, but, you know, I'm sitting at my dining room table and, you know, some of them have pets and kids that want to, you know, you know about cats climbing up in your lap while you're trying to do a Zoom meeting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's happened many times. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, my wife was teaching class to seventh graders, and and she'd have a dog, like, nosing her the whole time, you know, from the ground, so she'd have to pick up the dog and hold it while she was t- trying to teach a class, you know, otherwise, or he would sit there and go, 
A friend of mine has some big dogs, sort of like your brother, um, you know, a, a bloodhound and a couple other large dogs. And she would put them on the patio while she was trying to teach. And you would hear them in the background going, because they could see, they knew she was inside. They can hear her. They're not dumb. They knew mama was home. And so she would have to let them in. But then when she let them in, they wanted attention, you know. I mean, they'll settle down eventually, but, you know, it's never convenient. It's like in the middle of, of a class and you've got like, you know, a bloodhound that weighs, you know, 100 pounds jumping up on this, this woman who probably doesn't weigh much more. Yes. It's like, holy moly, they're big dogs. Um, I, I, you know, this is, the, they also, you know, at that school, they can, they can control the internet connection and the air conditioning and the, you know, um, or whatever, you know, the right. internet connection is being the biggest thing because if you live in an area where you, you don't have great internet, maybe you're in the mountains or you're a family that just doesn't want internet at home. Um, you know, this way the family doesn't have to pay for it. The district pays for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for the teachers. Yeah. I mean, in our case, you know, we're paying for it anyway. So with it, I can be connected because right, I'm a connected kind of guy. I got connections. Mm. But, uh, um, yeah, you know, and I, I haven't heard what's happening in my wife's district. Uh, the Corona District, Corona Norco District, has said they're going to go back to the classrooms. But in lieu of what happened yesterday and where things have kind of taken a turn, I would not be surprised if they reverse that. I haven't heard anything yet. But um, anyway, we'll see. The future remains to be seen, huh? It so, sure does. Um, hey, uh, tomorrow I want to, whether we're on the radio or whether we're here, I want to talk about uh, a film Greyhound. So I'll throw that teaser out there. That's the new Tom Hanks movie that got picked up, and it's playing on Apple TV+. Plus. And um, Charlize Theron dropped a new movie on the 10th on Netflix, and it's kind of interesting, and it's set up for sequels. So we'll see what happens there. <laughs> yeah, so, Tone and I watched it. Yeah, I have too. Uh, my wife watched it, and then I started watching it, and then we finished watching it, and she watched the end again, because uh, I thought it was pretty good. But uh, we'll both talk about that tomorrow and share on that one, right? Because we're kind of out of time. Don't you to get going here? Yes, we are out of time. We are so, out of time. <laughs> so for a change, it's me watching the clock. Woohoo! Um, Woo-hoo. So anyway, thanks for joining us. This has been Back from the Brink, the after show for On the Brink, KCAA Radio's morning show. Uh, I'm Todd Brinker. I've been joined with Aaron. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm sorry, I Have said a your name day, everyone. instead of letting you say it. Boy, our finish was not done well today, huh? Have a good one. <laughs> Have a great day, everybody.